traveling and and um, they stopped at a farmhouse uh, just for accommodation one night there was a, there was a hindu priest there was a jewish rabbi and there was a televangelist and uh, so the farmer said to them well look i've only got room for two people here uh, so one of you is going to have to sleep out in the barn and so the hindu priest said oh okay okay i'll i'll, I'll sleep out in the barn so we, we went outside and and uh after a few minutes, there was a knock on the door, and it was the Hindu priest. And he said, oh, look, there's a cow out there in the barn, and cows are sacred in, in my religion. I, I can't sleep out there. So, so the Jewish rabbi said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go and do it. I'll, I'll sleep out in the barn. And um, so he goes out, and a couple of minutes later, there's a knock on the door, and it's the Jewish rabbi. He said, oh, look, there's a pig out there. I can't sleep out there. It wouldn't be kosher. wouldn't be right. So the, the televangelist says, all right, all right, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go out and sleep out. I'll go out and do it. So he goes out there. A couple of minutes later, there's a knock on the door. It's the cow and the pig. <laughs> you can fill in the last lines yourself. <laughs> anyway, I love what Jeff was sharing before about, about communing with God. And I was just thinking... You know, and, and the fact that we're all, we're all, there's a level playing field. We're all the same in a sense. You know, and I, uh, I want to say this morning, you know, yes, it's true. We're all, there's a, there's a sameness about us all in, in a sense, you know. But how do you introduce yourself to people? You know, you can just give your name, obviously. You can talk about your parents or where you came from. You can talk about your qualifications or what you do. All sorts of things that, that you can talk about to to introduce yourself or say, this is, this is who I am. But, you know, what is, how, how does God introduce himself? You know, and when God started revealing or introducing himself to people, right at the beginning, they didn't know anything about God at all. They had zero knowledge of God. And so they were, God was like starting from square one to introduce himself to people. We kind of think, well, we know a little bit about God. We've got the Bible you know, and we've got a bit of experience, so to speak, of God. But at the beginning, people had no knowledge of God, whatever. So when God introduced himself to Moses, he appeared to Moses one day out in the desert. And there was this bush that was on fire. Now, that, that's not so unusual if you're, you know, if you're out in the, maybe, maybe it was a lightning strike or something. I don't know. But there was a bush that was burning. But Moses was watching it for a while and it didn't sort of burn up. Imagine like a roly-poly, you know. You know, you light one of those things and seriously, 30 seconds later, it's going to be gone. But this bush wasn't burnt up. He watched and watched for quite a while and he said, this is something really weird. So he goes over to have a look. He gets closer and closer. And, and guess what? The bush started talking to him. Now, that was pretty unusual. Started talking and even more... The bush knew his name. Now, that really would have got Moses' attention. It knew his name. And he said, I am the God of your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather. In other words, I've been around for a while, Moses. I've been here for a little while. And then the bush started entering into a conversation with Moses about an assignment that Moses was meant to be doing. 
And Moses said, you know, I, I really need to be sure about this. You know, I'm not too sure. How do you spell your name again? How do you say your name? Just because what's going to happen is I'm going to go back home and say to the people, well, I was t- talking to this bush, you know, and it, it wants me to do this. And people are going to be on their phone dialing triple zero. You know, this, this guy needs some help right now. And God said to him, just say, I am who I am. That's all you need to know. Just I am who I am. Well, I mean, go figure. What, what does that mean? God's really saying, I am the self-existent one. I, just, I don't need any introduction. I just am. You've just got to trust me. I just am. God says, I am. And you know what? When Jesus turned up thousands of years later, or 1,500 years later, using the same name, people were really freaked out because by then that name became sacred. That name had become precious to the Jewish people. They, they wouldn't even say that name like that. And Jesus turns up using the same name. They, they didn't like it at all. They, were, they reacted very badly to that. But so Jesus used that name, but he also used a number of lots of other names and he put the I am in there as well. Names that related to everyday life so that people could understand. He said like, I am the good shepherd or I am the bread of life or I am the road, the, the truth and the life or um, I am all these different things. I am, I am uh, the light of the world. And what he was doing was he was using this everyday language that we could understand to, to draw us into his world and say, God has come down to you right where you are right now. And, and I just love this thought that God is not remote. He's not up there somewhere, you know, showing that he's way, way above us. He's in the person of Jesus. He has come down to us right where we are. You know, there's a wonderful verse in the Psalms that says that God's, God stooped down. David said this. He said, God stooped down to lift me up or to make me great. Or his humility has elevated me, has made me great. Today, he's coming to us right here. God is, you know, stooping down to us. He's reaching down to us today because he wants to do something great in your life. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you. He wants to do something awesome in your life. Can you receive that? Can you believe that today? You believe God wants to do something awesome for you. He stooped down to make me great. I want us to talk for a few moments this morning about the I am's of Jesus, where Jesus began to say, this is what I am in ordinary, everyday language that we can understand. And the first one is in John chapter 8, and it goes like this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, or I am the world's light. Oh, I, when, I, when I hear that or read that, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a picture of a, um, uh, a lighthouse on a, on a big protruding rock out there, and it's just guiding the way for the ships, you know. It's kind of, it's, uh, it's a pretty good, we'll put that scripture up a bit later on, but it's, um, it's an image or, or a picture of what Jesus was talking about that works quite well, I think. I can remember um, the first Bible that I ever received as a child uh, I think it was about 10 years old, and I, I got this Bible. And 
uh, I loved it and, and I, I read it every night. And in fact, I read the cover right off it. And uh, I've, since that time, I've read the cover off a few different Bibles. But um, inside the front cover of my first Bible, there was a statement that I've never, ever forgotten. And it goes like this. And I don't even know who wrote it, actually. I don't know who wrote this, but it was in there. And it said this. Either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Now, that's a very thought-provoking statement. And uh, it, what it did is it gave me, a, I think, an enduring respect for the Word of God. I have to tell you, I don't think that statement's uh, true in every situation. It's not 100%. Um, it doesn't give the full picture of what God is wanting to say to us today, though. Number one, I want you to understand today, friends, that reading the Bible is not what saves you. Jesus is what saves you. Okay, we've got to be clear about that. And the second thing that I kind of don't like about that statement is... The fear of it takes more than the fear of sin to keep you away from sinning. Okay, now just think about this wet paint signs don't really work. I don't know how they work for you, but they never worked for me, they still don't work for me. <laughs> Ask my wife, she'll tell you. Wet paint signs, I, I gotta go and touch that, you know, I just have to. So, it takes more than fear to keep people away from sin. What it takes for me is a continuing everyday revelation that God is for me, that He loves me, that He came to save me. He doesn't condemn me. He is 100% for me and for you, exactly the same. That's the starting point. One day Jesus was in the temple talking, and it says that, this in John chapter 8, it says that swarms of people came to Him, were, were there, and they led in a woman who had been, as they said, caught in an act of adultery. And the religious people that were there that brought this woman in, they said, teacher, teacher, Moses' law said that this woman should be stoned or, you know, killed by throwing stones at her. And, but what do you say? What do you say? And so Jesus just... He just knelt down on the ground and started drawing in the dust on the temple floor. And they kept badgering him, it says. And he said, what, what, what do you say, Master? What shall we do about this? And then Jesus stood up and he said, The sinless one among you, go first. Throw the stone. And then he knelt down and started writing in the dust again. And then we're going to read from John chapter 8, verse 9. It says, hearing that, the people accusing this woman walked away one after another, beginning with the oldest. And the woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Where are those people who are accusing you? Does no one condemn you? No one, Master. Well, neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way from now on. Don't sin. There's a number of remarkable things about that. But I uh, just want to mention one thing today. Now, the first thing is that the power to overcome sin starts, the, very, the starting point is knowing that God doesn't condemn you, that He is for you. We've, we've got to start right there. That's the starting point. 
If I'm going to overcome sin and failure to live up to God's standard in my, in my life, I've got to start knowing that God is for me. He's not against me. And Jesus had already made that clear in John chapter 3. Says, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So important we get hold of that. John chapter 3. But the, the, the next thing about this is so amazing. And I, I just really want... See up there it says in the lower right-hand side of your screen, it's John 8, 9 to 11. Now we're going to look at the next verse. The very next verse, which says... John 8, 12 says, Jesus once again addressed them and he said, I am the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. Now, what is so amazing about this? Well, there's a couple of amazing things about this as well. Some people think that God, when they read that about what happened with this woman, well, is God going soft on sin? God is maybe, he's maybe letting a lot of things go through to the keeper here, you know. Maybe God's going soft on sin. And someone's going to say, if I was God, I wouldn't have let that person get away with that. That's why you're not God. And anyway, most of the judgments that we make on other people are more about masking or deflecting attention from our own weaknesses and failures anyway. Really, that's why we're not God. You're not and neither am I. But here is, this, here is the thing. Jesus has just said to this woman, I'm not condemning you. Go and from now on don't sin. So he's, in a sense, you know, let her off the hook. You know, he has not held her accountable. Jesus the teacher, the respected teacher of Israel is, has not held this person accountable for her apparent sin. And then in the next breath, he stands up and says, hey, I'm, I'm the beacon of right living. I'm the one who's going to show you how to live. I'm the example that you can follow. Does that make sense to you? Or does that sound like a bit of a contradiction almost? Well, I want to tell you, it's not a contradiction. What it's just saying is that God is wanting to make clear to us that the light of the world, the world's light, is not about pointing out the world's sin and how bad we all are. He's not. Jesus didn't come to show us how bad we are or were. He didn't come to, point to, to shine a light to, to point out our faults and failings and weaknesses. He came, the light of the world is about some other things. What's the light of the world about? Let's have a look at this. What's the world's light about? It's about showing us the way to God. Like that lighthouse on that rock, the, the, it's, it's showing us that's where safety is. That's where, head that way. That's the way to go. That's the way you want to point your life towards that safety over there. Like the lighthouse. You know when the storms of life come to, to each one of us, you know, you, you don't know which way to turn. It's, it's not hard to lose your bearings in a storm. That's why we need a lighthouse. We need a light that's going to guide us to say, that's the way I need to go. It's also about shining a light into our hearts so that we can understand and know the nature of God, what God is really like. He wants to bring illumination. He wants to show you on the inside 
what the nature of God is really like. That's when he said, I'm the world's light. In other words, Jesus is saying, look to me if you want to know what the Father is like. You're going to see the reflection of the Father in me. It's also about avoiding wrong turns and, and pitfalls in life. You know, where he said, no one, no one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. You know, I'm the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. In, um, it's 2001 when, uh, in, in New York City, when uh, there was an attack on the World Trade Center and the New York skyline changed. There was two massive buildings. I think they were the tallest buildings around. And one day they were there. The next day they weren't there. There was a terrorist attack and those World Trade Center buildings were demolished. You know, in, it, was, it was a disaster. And um, a few days, or a couple, about two weeks after that, Max Licardo, that you, that you know of, uh, a, a well-known writer, was in New York City and with, with a friend, and, and they asked a taxi driver, how has this impacted you? How has this affected you? And he said, the taxi driver said, I keep getting lost. Because where, wherever I was in the city, I could always look around and say, oh, that's, yeah, I, now I know where I am. He couldn't do that anymore. And he kept getting lost because of that. There was no point to help show him where he was and where he needed to be. And I think Jesus is, is saying, following him is how we avoid sin in our lives. Keeping our focus, keeping our eye on him is how we avoid falling into sin and falling short of God's, what God's standard for our lives. How we avoid getting lost. So, you know, hearing his voice and obeying him, that's how we live every day. That's why we keep on saying, what's Jesus saying to you today? That's what you need to know. Just what's Jesus saying to you today? That's the most important thing. Keep your eyes on him. Spending time with him every day, like Jeff was talking about. Just sitting across the table, talking to God every day and listening. No, no most important, listening. <laughs> listening. Sometimes, sometimes we say, oh, did you, have a, did you have a talk with that person? Well, I had to listen to that person. Well, you, you, that's, God is the one you want to have a listen to. Do you need his light to shine in your life today? All of us do. We all do. And I'm going to bring this to a close now, but um, I'm going to talk about one more I am that Jesus spoke about himself. And he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. You know, we don't hear a lot about shepherds today because it's uh, not so much in our economy, in our, our so much our culture here. But in Jesus' day, shepherds were everywhere. They were very, very common. In fact, almost everyone would have known someone who was a shepherd in those days because land holdings were small and, uh, you know, uh, there were a lot of uh, farmers and it was an agrarian society, basically. So everyone had sheep or cattle or something or some kind of uh, land holding. But what were those shepherds like? What were they like? Um, you know, you can still you can go to the Middle East today and you you can see examples of shepherds in, that still operate and live and work very similar to they were in Jesus' day. There's a picture of one coming up on the screen here now, and and uh, you know just just like that, uh, 
personally involved with the sheep, caring for the sheep just like that, just picking up the sheep and taking it where they've got to go and leading the sheep. They don't drive sheep. They lead them. They lead them today. That's, that's one of the great things about God and, and, and about the Holy Spirit. If you think, oh, God, God told me to do this and I, I have to do it, I have to do it. Like, no, God's never going to drive you to do anything. If you say God told me and I have to do, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us to follow him. We don't have to do anything. Because he wants your heart. He wants you to choose to follow him. So you all, you all know Psalm 23. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a favorite psalm. And, you know, it says, you know, because the Lord is my shepherd. This is in one translation. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. You know what? Um, if, if we would all just get that phrase in our heart and just say it over and over again till it became a revelation, because the Lord is, because the Lord, because God, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. You know, there's incredible power in that statement. There's phenomenal power in that statement. God, I've got everything I need because you're with me. I don't have to run after this. I don't have to run after that. I don't need to get another car to feel good about myself. I don't need to get another job to feel good about myself. God, right now, I've got everything I need because you're my shepherd. There's great power in those words. He lets me rest in Meadows green, and he leads me beside the quiet stream. Because he cares about me, and he's come, he's feeding me. He's here to feed me. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. God is all about feeding you. He wants to feed you. In Psalm 95, he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You know, he's, he cares for each one of us. And I'm, I'm saying this this morning because no matter what you're going through right now, no matter where you're at in your life right now, you know, God cares for you. He cares about you. He's here to be a shepherd to you. And I just know that God, you know, some people have this picture of God of being really harsh, like a, like a, almost like a taskmaster that you have to impress or you have to please or you have to, you know, you have to say 10,000 Hail Marys or you have to, some people think they've, like in the one country in the world, I won't even say where it is, but you probably know that where every Easter, like I'm talking about like right now, every time at Easter, people have these processions with crosses and people literally will crucify themselves on crosses and march to, this, to identify with God because they think somehow or other that's going to impress God. He's not looking for anything like that. Actually, he cares for you. I know that God has got a great heart for people. I know that. And um, I, I want to tell you that when before Dell and I started out to in, in sort of pastoral kind of ministry, we had a Christian band. And some of you might know this story, but um, for quite a few years, and we traveled around the place and performed at... In fact, others here, Neil, probably did the same. You did the same, didn't you? Maybe others. 
I know we had this Christian, call it a rock band. I don't know how rocky we were, but like back in those days, you know, I don't know, you call it a rock band, you probably call it country. I don't, I don't know what you call it now. But we had this band. But God began to speak to us and say, I want you to leave yours and join mine. In other words, I've got something different coming up. And this guy, this uh, recognized prophetic voice, this guy said, said over me one day, we were about to leave to go to a, to move up to far north Queensland to help out with another church, with a church. And he said to me these words, God says, I'm, be- I'm going to begin to put within you the heart of a shepherd. I'm going to do that. I'm going to put within you the heart of a shepherd. And um, up till that point, you know, I had not been very caring or concerned about other people. I'd I was mostly just focused on myself, I guess. <laughs> and um, I noticed after we moved, within the first few months, I began to notice as I, um, I, I would see things happening in people's lives. And uh, I would feel, literally begin to feel their pain. And uh, like a, a child would be running along the foot on, outside the church and they'd fall over and I, and I would instantly, I'd feel the pain of that child. You know, and before, I, I know for a fact, before that, I would not have even noticed. I wouldn't have cared. And, and, I, and I thought back of that prophetic word and I said, I know God, you know what's happening? God is doing something here in me. He's changing something. And I, and I want you to know that God, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And because God has a heart for people. And for his sheep, for his people. And he loves you today. And if you need a shepherd today, I'm going to ask our creative team to come back right now. And you know, look, we, we, all, we all need a shepherd, every one of us here. And if that's you and you're saying, well, you know, I wish someone would come and care for me. I want to tell you, God cares for you. He cares for you right now. He's, and in fact, Jesus gave his life for you. He gave his life on the cross so that you could find freedom, so that you could find wholeness in him. And I, I want to encourage you this morning to open your heart to him and let him lead you. You know, the shepherd, he leads the sheep. Open your heart and let him lead you. Let him provide for you. Let him protect you. You know, like it says before, like I said before when we were praying about, you know, going through the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd came to protect the sheep as well. And I believe that God wants to protect and protect you and open and, and lead you in his way, in his, his pathway. Can we pray this morning? Father, I lift up each person here today in this room. And I thank you that, that you are uh, reaching into our hearts today to show your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your peace and your provision and your favor in our lives this morning. And I'm asking today, Lord God, is anyone here today that doesn't really have a clarity in their heart about their relationship with God? Maybe you're saying, well, I, that sounds true. That What you're saying is, I know is right. I know I need to invite Jesus into my life. And I'm not sure if I have that real connection with him right now. If that's you, why don't you just raise up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I want you to, will you pray for me? Because I want to pray with you. And I want to, I want to just lead you in inner prayer and help you come to understand the relationship God wants you to have with Him. That's you today. Why don't you raise your hand right now? Say, would you pray for me?
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.